Well, good morning. Thank you for joining us this morning for our family chapel. It's good to have a good friend of ours from just right down the road, right down the hill. It's good to have Pastor Gene Great with us this morning. Let's welcome him this morning. Thank you. He'll be here bringing the word of the Lord to us this morning as well as this evening. Well, I'm going to lay my watch right here so I can see it. You might remember the story of the little boy who asked his daddy that when he saw the preacher put the watch on the pulpit said, Daddy, what does that mean? His daddy said, absolutely nothing. <laughs> but it does give you hope, if I can say it that way. So we want you to have hope this morning that uh, there is an end to this uh, message that I hope will be inspiring to you. Among the more than 7,000 promises that God has given to us, many are about prayer. We sang about prayer today. Thank you, Jonathan, for arranging that for us. And perhaps one of the best known and oft quoted verses about prayer is found in the second part of uh, James, chapter 5, verse 16. And I'd like to read that portion for you in two or three uh, versions or translations today. Beginning with first Eugene Peterson's The Message, says the prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. I like that. And then from the New Century Version, it says when a believing person prays, great things happen. And then from the New Living Translation, it says the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and wonderful results. So what a terrific promise God has made to those of us whose sins have been forgiven and we've become a part of God's family in a personal way, uh, been a regenerated, justified, adopted, uh, initially sanctified into the family of God. But I want to ask you a more serious question. Do, do you really believe this verse? Is this verse really true? Uh, do the prayers of righteous people really make a difference? Are they powerful and effective? I would uh, say to you today that James, who wrote this verse in the New Testament, did believe that it was true. In fact, in the very next verse, in verse 17, he referred to the prayer of Elijah, quoting him, and, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for the next three and a half years. I would say that was a, a real answer to prayer, a real-life demonstration to the difference that a God-directed prayer can make. But that did happen a long time ago. We know that to be true. Elijah wasn't here last month or last year. This was a long time ago. And so I want to say, what about today? Does God answer prayer today? What about now? How about now in our present moment? Or what about our situations that, that you go home to this afternoon or you have to face later in the week? Does prayer make a difference really for you? It should. And I believe it does. And you, you'll see that as we go along. One, of the, um, one Christian leader wrote these challenging words. I want to quote them to you, this paragraph. He said, one of the most sobering thoughts about the contemporary holiness movement is that we have trained personnel, satisfactory buildings, and reasonably affluent church members. We have so much that the founding fathers of our movement never had. But do we possess what they had? 
Their prevailing prayers and their public meetings produced power for spiritual exploits. First, they did their best, and then they met for intercession where they prayed for the direct intervention of God to bless and expand their service for Christ and his church. It wasn't a choice between work or prayer. It was both. And after we have counted all the assets we have, which they lacked, do we have the incredible force which resulted from their prayers of absolute dependence upon God? I, I, I like that question. It sort of gives perspective to our hard work for the gospel. It should be done out of a spirit of, in the context of conversation with God and prayer with God on a daily basis. I, uh, no one here would dispute the importance of prayer. If you, if you did, you don't belong here today. You, you need to report yourself to Dr. Graves and then uh, get another job. Uh, point being, we all believe in prayer. That's what I'm trying to say. We, we understand that it is significant in the life of the Christian, but do we understand it from a practical point of view as maybe we should? We do talk about prayer a lot, and I do, and as a pastor you do, and you encourage people to pray, you pray with them. But do we really pray with intentionality and focus and that sweet hour of prayer rather than that sweet two minutes of prayer on the way to work is there a time in our life where there is an hour of prayer on a regular basis? We, we read books about prayer and then turn out the light and go to sleep, you know, maybe not actually following through on our prayer, or we may sing about prayer, but it's really, do we pray with intentionality and, and uh, with purpose, and do our prayers really prevail with God? Uh, Dr. Oscar Reed was at Bethany Nazarene College, now Southern Nazarene University, when I was going through school at that time. And he made a statement as a guest in one of our classes that I, I literally laughed at. I believe I've shared it here before in other times. But he said that one of the most difficult things you will do as a pastor is to maintain your personal uh, devotional life, your personal spiritual life and development. And, and I did almost want to laugh and say, are you kidding me? I mean, I can go to the office and spend 8 to 12 every day. Ha ha. It doesn't quite go like that. But the, the reality, what I thought would be reality is you go to the office, you spend 8 to 12 every day, and you have, you know, maybe 8 to 9 every day in prayer and, and in the Word. And um, I found it's much, much more difficult than I ever possibly imagined. I didn't even go to the office this morning because I knew I wanted to come directly here, because sure as the world, I go to the office, I wouldn't have that hour and a half to myself from 8 to 9.30. I would have people in and out of my office. I wouldn't be mentally or maybe uh, spiritually ready to speak to you today. It is that kind of world. And, and what makes it difficult, it's so subtle, because I work for the church. I work for God. You work for the church. When you are in a ministry organization, it's often easy to substitute that for the true vertical connection. With the Heavenly Father. Another church leader wrote this. He said, every organization has its center of dynamic. 
true. For the body, it's the heart. For the seed, it's the kernel. For the computer, it's the processor. And for the church, it's prayer. Prayer, he said, is the dynamic power of the church. Jesus commanded those early Christians, he writes, to wait in prayer before they went out to witness. Could it be, he says, that we've gone out to witness without the power of intercessory prayer? It's easy to substitute work for, for prayer. I think it's harder to pray than it is to work for God. I mean, true prayer and, and connection with the Heavenly Father, a lot of reasons for that. We'll talk about a few in a, in a few moments, but I think the point is perfectly clear to me. There are many dispensable parts in every organization, but there's always at least one indispensable part. And for the church, the indispensable part of what we are to do and called to do is, is prayer. It's the engine of, of ministry. If, if indeed we were forced to choose between everything else and prayer, we should choose prayer. Because everything else then has new meaning or more purpose or intentionality in what we do. Let me give you a few examples from my world, the church world. Without prayer, I believe Sunday school class becomes a duty for teachers who might remember to prayer late, uh, prepare late on Saturday night. And for, uh, for the students who come in, it's more of a social time. And often they'll say, well, we don't have to get there quite early. All they're going to do is pray first. I'll get there for the lesson. Are you kidding me? Yeah, you, you, you're willing to miss prayer and then listen to a human being talk? Would, wouldn't it be more, make more sense that, if anything, I, I want to be there for prayer, and then I'll go out and have coffee and miss the lesson? My point being, we, I think we choose the wrong thing. Uh, for, the, for the student, it may be a social time. If you take compassion ministry, mission ministries, part of the local church, um, it, without prayer, it can be, become a modified social program, whether it's social justice, social uh, needs, compassion, any, any of the above. The youth department can be activity-oriented without seeing teens ever come to know Christ or, or no teens uh, accepting a call to ministry. I, I still believe God wants to call uh, out of every generation, uh, young people to ministry. But if a church isn't a praying church or, or the leaders aren't praying leaders, that, that tends to be absent. Or the children's department we, maybe becomes a babysitting service and a fun time. And Bible stories kind of take a secondary place because we want to get on their level and then try to get their attention. Music in the church can become a showcase for performers or a spotlight for those with with wonderful talent, or the pulpit might become a venue of simple, simply man's ideas and, and a means to gain personal recognition. Without prayer, all of this is possible. Well, what changes all of that? You know, I, I think the answer is, and I'm convinced, a genuine, sincere, earnest, persistent prayer life in the life of the church and the leaders of the church and the people in the church the, the people of God. I, I believe Sunday school classes become transformed and it's not just a, uh, an 11 o'clock preparation on Saturday night for the teacher. I think the teacher in prayer finds great joy and in searching the word and bringing something fresh to the students who now are there for the purpose of spiritual growth. 
And they're not lazy coming in 15 minutes late. They're there on time because they don't want to miss what God is about to happen. I think prayer can create that kind of environment in the local church. Compassion and mission ministries becomes a means not just of giving money blindly to nameless people, but instead you become missional yourself reaching out to people in your neighborhood and where you work. It, I know you work here, but for others in my church where they work in secular environments, or even here, you may have a sensitivity to someone who's having a bad day. And your life is very missional. You're reaching out out of the context of what God has done in your life through prayer. I think youth departments become places where teens encounter God in a powerful and transforming way and a transcendental way and children in the church find it to be a place where they hear the stories from the Bible and they can make a personal decision to know Jesus and the music of the church is focused on bringing glory to our great God as an avenue to enter his presence and the pulpit is a place where God's word is preached with with confidence and people respond with obedience. The latter is a, a church that's committed to prayer or the people of God committed to prayer. So easy to confuse what we do for God with who we are in Christ. What makes us embrace the purpose of prayer and how do we practice prayer it could arguably I guess be said the foremost purpose of prayer is to open our heart and our mind to God's will and receive his power to do it prayer is to open our mind to what God wants to do in our lives prayer is so much more than trying to persuade God to hear our voice it's an attempt, rather, to hear his voice. The, the aim and purpose of prayer should be more to listen than to talk. Why do we often fall into a trap of thinking prayer is telling God what's important to us when we should hear what's important to him? Uh, many of our prayers are prayed without basis, they're uninformed, and then we wonder why God doesn't answer. I think he doesn't answer because they were not prayed according to his will. Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer to pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. I, I, I say this with respect for people. I pastor in this church and previously in other places, but we have received prayer requests for their dogs that their dog surgery would go well. I know God does care about our, our attachments in the world. I wish they'd said, pray for my unsaved uncle rather than their dog. Uh, you, I mean, our prayers, are they uninformed? Are they informed? When, you're, when you spend time in the presence of God, you begin to hear what's important to the heart of God. For example, we can pray. This is sort of to support that. We often don't pray according to God's will. We do pray for God to speak to us, but find it difficult to find time to open his word for more than a few token verses, which, by the way, the word is one of his primary ways. He does speak to us. 
God, speak to us. And then, oh. You know what I'm saying. Hey, I want you to know I'm beating myself up here too a bit. Uh, Psalm 119 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. Hey, God, you know, speak to me. And you expect him to speak to you. We need to be people of the word. We pray for God to bless what we're doing. Maybe we should ask, God, what do you want to do in and through us? And then bless that. We pray for God to sh God show our family and our friends their need for Christ. Bring them to Christ. And we ignore the, the call that God has placed to us to share Christ with our family and friends. We want God to save them. He will save them. But he chooses to use us as the voice. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5, 19 and 20. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. That's true. And he has commanded us, or commanded to, commit, committed to us, the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though he were making his appeal through us. God saved my family. And he says, well, you have to share the news. Well, I don't want to offend them. Who cares if they get saved? I'm saying we, our prayers need to be informed by the word. What does he want us to do? How does he want us to pray? How do we encounter our family and our friends? Well, I think prayer does make a difference. I have to tell you that. As much as I need this message, too. All great men and women of God have been men and women of mighty prayer. We know that to be true. I don't think God is through with that kind of ministry in the church today. All great revivals have been preceded by persevering and prevailing prayer. Before Jesus began his public ministry that touched the thousands who came to hear him, he spent 40 days and nights in secret prayer and fasting. The apostle Paul prayed without ceasing day and night living in a spirit of prayer, and he influenced whole cities and regions for Christ. The disciples waited in concerted prayer for 10 days and then left that place of prayer on the day of Pentecost with such power that 3,000 people were, were saved that very day. And as they continued in the power of that praying spirit another 5,000 were converted to Christ a total of 8,000 and then many Jewish priests also turned to Jesus as the Messiah it's found in the book of Acts God has always responded in power to faithful praying men and women Martin Luther used to pray three hours a day and he broke the spell of the ages and the Reformation took the, the church world by storm and captive nations were set free. John Knox used to spend nights in prayer as he cried out to God, give me Scotland or I die. And a great moving of God swept through Scotland and many came to Christ. John Wesley tells of half and whole nights of prayer in which God drew near and blessed the people almost half to death, he said, after which he and his church people were empowered 
to uh, bring a great revival to their generation. David Brainerd used to lie on the frozen ground at night wrapped in a bear's skin. And as he cried out to God to save the Indians, God heard his prayer and hundreds came to Christ. The night before Jonathan Edwards preached that that wonderful sermon that started the revival that took New England, he and others spent the whole night in prayer before he preached. Charles Fenney used to pray until whole communities would be moved by a sense of sin and their need for God, and thousands came to Christ in his ministry. Fenney used to tell, or he tells a story of a church in which there had been a continuous revival for some 13 years. And one day, curiously, it just stopped. And people began to fear what had stopped the revival, and they questioned why the moving of the Spirit had seemed to fade. And, and then one man stood and testified that for 13 years he had prayed every Saturday night. For God to glorify himself and save the people. But two weeks before he had stopped praying that prayer and the revival stopped. Wow. That, that, that's convicting to me. William Bramwell would pray for several hours every day. I, it's, it's hard to do that to understand. I don't know if we can today. I, we have to find a way to relate to God. But Bramwell used to pray several times, several hours a day, and he'd see hundreds and, of people saved and sanctified while he preached. And, and uh, one, one man asked another guy, why does Reverend Bramwell able to say so many new and wonderful things that bring blessings to so many? And the other person said, it's because he lives so near to the heart of God that God tells him his secrets, and then he tells them to us. But make no mistake, genuine prayer is no picnic. It's a challenge to enter into a true spirit of powerful prayer every day. Why is that? Or why is there a reluctance to even try that? Well, I think it's difficult first because of the work of the devil, the influence of the devil. He doesn't want you to pray. Not with power. It stands to reason to me that Satan doesn't want a Christian to truly engage in powerful prayer. I don't think he minds so much public praying when one person prays and everybody listens. That's more of a ritual of prayer. I mean, it's necessary, needed, a blessing, but no substitute for being alone with God in prayer. He hates, the devil hates to see a man or a woman of any age on their knees alone in prayer because he knows they must be serious and mean business and they will hear from God. And he doesn't want that. So I think that's one reason. I think it's hard to experience this on a regular basis also because of lack of personal habits that sustain it or disciplines, maybe lack of sleep. We were up too late at night. Now, 
uh, we don't count election night last night because that, that was an exception. Everybody wanted to know what was happening. But, you know, stay up so late at night, you can't get up early and pray. Or maybe sleep too long. And when, when you get up, there's not enough time to pray. Or, or you feel too sluggish and unmotivated. Or and maybe it could be overeating and, and your metabolism and chemistry of your body hinders uh, that, that desire and ability to pray with, with effectiveness because things are happening. Others may find it difficult to pray because they don't respond quickly when God asks them to. When you feel led to pray, and I'm, I've done this, and I, you know, you just, you're just you human, but you, you feel like maybe you should pray, but you want to continue to do what you're doing until that's over, and then you'll pray, or continue watching the program to its conclusion, then you'll pray, or finish the chapter in the book you're reading, and then you'll pray, and by the time you finish each of those events or any of the others you may be thinking of in yourself, you forgot to pray, or the desire is no longer there. Maybe the need was urgent, and God needed you to pray then, but we said, well, we'll pray in a minute. And, and then we don't. Or if we do, the spirit of faith is not there. Many reasons and more excuses why we don't pray as we should. People will say, I, I don't know what to say. Not to worry, the spirit will interpret your intercessions to God. Oh, I can't sit still that long then stand, walk, lay down, kneel. Well, it hurts to kneel, then sit down, <laughs> or walk, or stand. I don't feel like it. Grow up. That's what my children used to say. Clean your room. I don't feel like it. It's still a good thing you need to do if you want to live. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to say that about my kids. The maker of the universe wants to talk to us. And I don't feel like it. I'm too tired. I don't know what to say. Why, why not try listening and see what he has to say? Why would we allow an excuse to keep us from hearing from heaven? Hear us from heaven. Hear us from heaven. Well, you say, I, how do I become a part of a group like that? Well, I believe God does call the church, the whole church to prayer. But I don't think you have to belong to a group like that to experience a God like this. You can, you can do this by yourself. He can use the prayers of just one person to break the powers of darkness and bring victory to the church. Elijah did it on Mount Carmel. Moses did it for backsliding Israel. Daniel did it in Babylon. Wesley did it in England. Moody did it in America.
who will do it for our generation, for our families, our church, our community. Does this verse really work, the prayer of a righteous man being powerful and effective? Oh, yes. <laughs> the promise has not expired. Hallelujah. God is still waiting to answer the prayers of praying men and women who've opened their heart and their mind to His will and purpose. It just takes a change of the way we see ourselves and how we approach prayer. You say, are you saying I need to get up early and pray? No, I'm not saying anything like that. That's between you and God. It's between me and God. I am saying, or I would like for you to consider where you are in this part of your journey with Christ. One person confessed for a long time, I made no progress until one day I went alone into a quiet place and falling on my knees I cried, O Christ of Galilee, O Christ of Gethsemane, O Christ of Calvary, I give myself to you, please give yourself to me. And he said it was like the floodgates of heaven opened to his surrendered heart and God answered in overflowing emotion and blessing and the witness of the Spirit and the empowerment to serve. But he went to a quiet place and he closed the door and he cried out to God. Maybe that kind of experience inspired this writer to pen these words. Lord, I have shut the door, shut out life's busy cares and fretting noise. Here in this silence they intrude no more. Speak, and heavenly joys shall fill my heart, and with music sweet and calm, a holy psalm. Lord, I have shut the door, Come and visit me, I am alone. Come as when days were shut, you came in days before and visited your own. My Lord, I kneel with reverent love and fear, for you are here. Do you ever say, man, that person's really close to God, that person, I wish I could be that close to God? You can be. You can be as close to God as you choose to be. Even in the words of the song. That's reflected in James 4, chapter 4, verse 8. Come near to God. And God will come near to you. But you begin, and then he responds. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. I, I probably need one of these quiet times with God. I said to Renois the other day, just this week, I said, I probably need some alone time, just some special prayer time. It's been a, a very unusual year for us 
we thought we we're going to lose her dad. I lost my mom. We've been to Ohio five, six times. Uh, busy, busy. I just feel like it's time. Well, let me pray with you, and then I'll turn the service back over to JC. Our Father in heaven, we hallow your name today. Speak to us in this chapel time together. Draw us close to you as we have come into your presence. Help us to have the desire to have intimate relationship and conversation with God Almighty as you transform our lives, the perspective we have upon our challenges and problems, and the empowerment you will so gladly give us to live according to your plan and purpose. Make us people of prayer impact our world. Let it begin even with one person and let it be contagious until revival sweeps all of our hearts. In your transcendent way, I pray. Amen.